2: It is the
1: word of Landrew.
0: Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. Mike, today, finally, it's been 50 episodes, exactly, since we've had... Which means it's almost... It's been a year. Stop guilting me! Had, <laughs> since we've had... Since we've had andy on andy also known as first time trek on twitter has been live tweeting her first experiences with each episode of star trek and uh we had her on immediately after she finished season one and now she's almost done with season three because she's been binge watching to prepare for her own podcast women at warp welcome andy
2: thanks it's not my fault
0: I know, life gets in the way sometimes. I'm still working through the animated series. Well, Maybe I'll get it
1: done before the end of time.
2: Well, life and Dragon Age Inquisition.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, okay, so it's been 50 episodes, but, you know, I have a feeling that it's going to be, like, five episodes before the next one, you know? I mean, it's just, that's pretty good, right?
2: Well, yeah, I only have uh, a couple more episodes left of the original series, and then I'm doing the movies. So,
1: yeah, if at any time
2: you want to talk about any of that,
1: yeah, I think we need to make the movies its own separate episode. You know, I'm sure
0: you'll have plenty of feelings about season three. I know you're almost done now, but
2: I always have plenty of feelings,
0: especially (laughs) by the last episode you will have so many feelings.
2: You guys just like hearing me rant. I think that's what this is.
0: We're just going to have to talk about Turnabout Intruder for the end of t- the rest of time once you're <laughs> done with season 3. So
2: Have you done a Turnabout Intruder episode yet?
0: No. 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 We could do a commentary and you could just scream about it for 50 minutes. Is
2: it just going to be me pacing and tearing out my hair?
1: Yes. Oh good. Maybe you'll I can't like wait. It.
2: Maybe- <laughs>
1: Maybe you'll like it. You never know. I mean, uh the, the, there's some episodes that you like which are very strange and there's some episodes which you don't like which are very strange. Yes.
2: I I'd like just like to say that um I'm right and everyone else is wrong. And that's the well, easiest I'm, way I'm to not, think about that.
1: I'm not um denying that, but <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, I mean and, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, this is so interesting is because We all come into it with baggage. You know, even the first time that we watched it, most of us came into it with a lot of baggage because, you know, I mean, like I think we talked about last time, like with Space Seed, you know, you were not impressed by Space Seed from what I can remember. And everyone else loves that episode, but I really think that a big reason why everyone loves that episode is because of something that happens later on. And uh, if you divorce yourself from that and just look at Space Seed as Space Seed, Maybe it's not the best episode in the world.
2: Yes, I'm right, and everyone else is wrong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. So that leads us to today, you know, Mm -hmm. season two two. of Star Trek. Mike and I have been talking a
0: lot about season three recently, which is something that all of our listeners were complaining about, that we don't talk about season three enough. And so we talked about season three for like three months straight.
1: So now we're back
0: to season two, which is, Mike, your favorite and mine? Well,
1: it's worth talking about. Um, is it my favorite? I don't know. I I really go back and forth between season one because uh, season one and season two because I think that season one is consistently the best season, but I think that the best episodes of the show are in season two, for the most part. Yeah, I can see that. So
0: aside from Arena, so what did you think about season two, Andy?
2: I thought it was very up and down. Um, which seems to be basically what you're saying. But some of the episodes that are in that season were really, really good and definitely the most memorable of the series. Um, there were a handful that I really, really liked. There were a handful that I hated with all of my being, <laughs> but there were a lot that I really liked as well.
1: Well, like if you had to pick, say, three um, that really stood out to you as being uh, above the rest, what would they be?
2: Uh, Mirror Mirror, definitely. I loved Mm -hmm. that. I mean, everything about that episode is awesome. I really liked the, um, a piece of the action one where they're all gangsters. I just think that one's really, really fun. It's my
0: dad's favorite episode.
2: (laughs) And I liked Assignment Earth much for the same reason. Basically, I just thought it was fun to watch, which is really what we're going for, right? To have fun while watching TV shows. Yeah
0: y You seem to have an obsession with with the hats that the different hats that Spock wears to cover his ears,
2: but they're so fabulous. How can anyone not have an obsession with them?
0: Just wait until Star Trek Four. I think that's my definitive ear covering
2: <laughs> well, in Assignment Earth, Spock wears the mo Spock Spock wears the most epic like bucket hat
0: yeah <laughs> i
2: just I just love it, but I love that episode basically from top to bottom. Because, and this is where I think the fact that I live tweet comes into play with my enjoyment of the episodes, because you're talking about how I don't have baggage, but I do have this extra dimension in that I, there are certain episodes in which the, the fans get really excited about me live tweeting them and, like, interact with me a lot, which enhances my enjoyment. Um, so whenever there's an episode that I think is really, really funny, that usually turns into... um a really fun live tweeting experience as people, you know, tweet me jokes and, uh, really enjoy me just flipping out in general. And so Assignment Earth was one of those where I was just like, could not get over Ninja Cat and everybody thought that was very amusing. Um, so that, that's what I, I mean, if I sat down and watched Assignment Earth again, um, maybe I would have a less visceral reaction to it, be able to like sit down and actually like think about it but for the most part throughout that whole episode I was just like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> like, yeah. all of the crazy stuff that's happening and just I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe it was happening to me I was so excited
1: <laughs> so okay well that, that's that's kind of interesting um I, I don't know the, the best way to go about this because like I kind of want to you know obviously discuss what the sort of general fan reaction to these things are too you know to see kind of how they line up with with uh, what you're saying but i guess i guess it probably makes sense to to next ask you which episodes you despised in season 2 Wolf
2: in the Fold is my least favorite episode that i've seen of Star Trek so far
1: okay it all right wow
2: yes
0: and that includes next generation season 1 yes i'm impressed it
2: does <laughs> Wolf in the Fold, and there's a reason why uh one of our first Women at Warp episodes is about Wolf in the Fold, because it is very viscerally upsetting to me. I mean, the sexism in in the original series is something that is like consistently hard for me to watch, but for the most part, I get to the point where I can laugh about it, like. Oh, there, Kirk goes making out with another lady wearing a really ridiculous costume. Okay, (laughs) ha, 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 ha. Oh, the miniskirts, la, you know, just, and kind of laugh about it because, one, I don't think I need to have to always be in critical mode, always getting angry about everything, especially since there's nothing I can really do to change it, and I'm trying to enjoy the series. But Wolf in the Fold actually upset me, like I had to stop watching for a while because it's really really hard when you've gotten to the point where you basically when you love these characters like actually I've I've gotten far enough in at that point where Kirk and Spock and and McCoy and Scotty actually mean a lot to me and then to watch them treat women this way it sorry it's hard So that episode I really hate because the whole episode is basically about women being murdered and nobody caring, except for the Mm -hmm. fact that it affects them. Um, It affects Scotty. So, and then actually having to see some of the aftermath of the violence and I just, it really makes me upset. So that's my least favorite. Um, There are a handful of episodes that I just thought were, either boring or um, just not very noteworthy not bad really um, just not something that I would go- look back on and be super excited to watch again
0: yeah I'm I, I know I, I'm i pretty sure I know which one one of those episodes that you're talking about which is unfortunate because I think it's one of my favorites which is iMud
2: oh goodness I actually don't <laughs> I actually don't hate that episode as much as you might think I do Okay. Because and here's the you, difference.
0: You just didn't come off as impressed as I'd hoped.
2: Well, here's the difference. And and this is again, this is like you're seeing when you're seeing my live tweeting, you're seeing my on the in in the moment reactions. And sometimes after that, I think about it more and I, I change my opinion sometimes. Um, for instance, Wolf in the Fold, as much as it upset me when I first watch it, every time I think back to it, I get more upset. So iMud is the exact opposite in which the difference is in iMud that the sexist, misogynist, uh, I really want to swear here, but I won't. The, the person that I hate <laughs> in that episode is not one of the crew members, and he's not portrayed as being a person that I should look up to in any way. He is portrayed as a fool and a coward and nothing, nothing, hmm. I can't think of the word I want to say. Basically, he's a he's a character that we're meant to to laugh at, I guess.
0: Whereas the, Wolf even, in even the, the Fold, the crew makes fun of him.
2: Yeah, exactly. And whereas Wolf in the Fold, it's it's the crew members I love that are doing all of this egregious behavior. Plus, I Mud is kind of interesting in that he gets what he deserves. Um, and yeah, there's some gross stuff in there where like he has basically his fembots you know just Mm -hmm. rows of them but uh there are some really fun moments in that episode as well i really enjoy when that whole that whole section of the of the episode where they're trying to confuse the robots is so delightful i mean
0: they dance for no reason The
2: dancing and then just spock trying to be illogical (laughs) it's really really (laughs) fun so no i don't hate that episode as much as you might think i do I hate the character of Harry Mudd very much, but...
0: But, and you're supposed to. Exactly. So that's good. Yeah, I, I, see, I see the difference. Uh, mm-hmm. I see the difference.
2: It's the same reason why I get upset when Spock is misogynistic. Because, to me, Spock is the character on the show that should be the least misogynistic. If you're talking about, like, a purely logical person. But he is often the one that makes all these little comments about how women are so illogical and hysterical and feel fear and more strongly than a man. And like all of these kind of throwaway comments. And that upsets me way more than Harry mud being gross.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I mean, especially since, you know, he's being presented as like the hero and, you know, I mean that that's all.
2: And not only the hero, but like the, I mean, Spock is the truth teller, right? So so I mean, they go to him for yeah. answers.
1: Right. He's the one who who uh, rises above human stupidity. And, you know, like you were saying, you know, it was all about, you know, pure logic and everything like that. So when he's not rising above human stupidity, it's kind of illogical. Exactly.
2: Um, and I realized that Spock is not, you know, <sighs> Spock is not real. Hurts me. Um, I, I, I realized that he's written... By human writers, and he's in a show that's very defined by the time that it's in, and that I I shouldn't expect perfection from him, and I don't. But for whatever reason, when say Kirk says something that's sexist, I'm just like, oh, okay, it's Kirk, whatever. But when Spock does it, it just for whatever reason it trips me more.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, it makes sense. Okay, so so of the three that you mentioned that you liked. Uh well let's let's start with with mirror mirror I guess uh, now that's an episode which I think is universally uh, acclaimed everyone loves it it's one of my favorites I don't know about you Drew um but yeah what was it about mirror mirror that you that you liked
2: first off I think this is an episode where everything comes together every element of what makes this show great comes together um the sci-fi is good it's a it's a good plot that makes decent amount of sense. Um, The emotion is there. I mean, we still have a great number of uh, scenes in which we are reminded of the love that Spock and Kirk have for each other, even in this evil universe. And I think that really is the heart of the show is the relationship between the two of them. And then just really cool characters and well written and the costumes are awesome. I mean, just about everything that could go right goes right in this episode.
1: Yeah. It, it was always, to me, seemed like kind of... I, I always liked when they did these little sort of like twists on things. Like, ooh, let's see what this would be like if everyone was evil. You know, that kind of thing. And it's it's just sort of like a simple device. But it's it's kind of cool because then it really makes you think about... I mean, in addition to sort of like building a new and different world... It's also uh, makes you think about the one that you're familiar with in a different way. Yeah.
2: I mean, it deepens your characterization because you're forced to think about how your characters would normally be reacting to something and they're reacting Mm -hmm. in a different way. And that highlights what you know about them, for instance. And I think one thing we had to say is the acting across the board is very good in this episode. For instance, I never thought that Sulu could scare me But he was terrifying. (laughs) I mean, and Chekhov being evil, it's just, and they portrayed it really, really well. And that you really feel that these are not the men that you knew. And then just in general, still seeing some of the things that make them who they are. I think that's great, especially with Spock. You see that with Spock, like Spock's in the evil universe. He's doing whatever he has to do to survive, but you can see that it's not quite... Who he is even there. Um, and I think that's a really interesting bridge from our, our crew and the evil mirror crew is Spock being Spock like even when he's surrounded by this really hardcore universe. Plus, I really enjoyed the updates to their costumes. <laughs> I think they're pretty <laughs> yeah. I think they're pretty fun to be honest.
1: Yeah. So here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a hypothetical. Okay. Um. Okay, the episode ends with Kirk talking to Mirror Spock and saying, like, you realize this is illogical, make a change, you have the power, I'm giving it to you, you can make a difference in this universe. And then they go back, you know, Mirror Spock is like, I will consider what you're saying. They go back to the Enterprise and Kirk is like, I think they're going to be okay. I think this Spock is going to turn things around. Okay. So, as someone who has seen that, and as someone who has watched Next Generation, um, my question for you is, what do you think that universe would look like in the Next Generation era? <laughs> Having had this the events in Mirror Mirror happen.
2: To be honest, I don't think it would be that much different. <laughs> I mean, you're placing okay. a lot of importance on one guy, and I mean, he's a super awesome in every way guy. But it's really, really hard to change an entire system when you are one person within it. Mighty made a difference. Might it be a little less dark universe? Maybe, but I have to think that one person generally doesn't change the course of history very often. Um, and even then, you're still you're still talking about apparently an entire collection of planets that think this way. And I would think that would be pretty hard to reverse. Okay. But the original cool. series does have this thing where they always want to end on a positive note. So I can see yeah. where at the end of the show, you're supposed to have like this idea that that could happen. And I don't want to crush your dreams. It could happen. It could <laughs>
1: happen it's 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 that that optimism, which I think is important, like even if even if it's not something which is realistic, it's the idea that, yeah, like you're saying it could happen, and that's yeah, that's kind of what's running through that that series interesting i
2: think Just I think curious. the original series in general is a very optimistic show. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. point of it is that we've gotten to the the future and it's you know we've we've conquered all of these social ills that have plagued us. And it's this kind of, not utopian, because there are still problems, but like humanity has improved itself. And that's a very optimistic outlook on life, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we sort of talked about piece of the action a little bit, but uh, anything that you want to uh, expand upon with that one?
2: I just think that episode's hilarious from the very beginning when uh, Scotty beams them down next to the yellow fireplug somehow. <laughs> um, I just, I just love it. And the second that they put Spock in gangster clothes, I was sold. I was so sold. I just, yeah. I love it when, when they, when they don't take themselves so seriously, but it still works. Like they're still, there's still a reason they're there and there's still a plot there, but they also get to have so much fun. I mean, you can't tell me watching William Shatner act in that episode that he wasn't having a total blast. Uh, And it it just really translates it to the viewer because you're, you're getting to watch them talk in funny accents and wear cool clothes. And isn't that why actors become actors you get to have, and, and then just, The thing I love most about that episode is how neatly Kirk fits into that world once he's figured out the world, uh, the rules. And then also the culture clash from Spock and the gangsters, and then also McCoy and the gangsters, like having them lined up next to each other, especially Spock is just so much comedy. And I just really (laughs) laughed my way through that episode and really enjoyed it. Plus the screenshots. I mean, I've been trying to cut back on my screenshots a little because I've been noticing that I'm I'm kind of just using them a lot. But that episode is like every screenshot was better than the next. So it's just like, oh, <laughs> here's a happier place. Um so I, just great episode. Really fun. Enjoyed it immensely.
1: All right, and then the the third one was um assignment earth, but um we'll probably maybe we should we should hold off on that one a little bit because uh we may have uh something else planned for that <laughs> how
2: mysterious <laughs> it's
1: but, it's but not obvious generally at speaking all. <laughs> but generally speaking you 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 liked it right yeah i mean it is yeah. it's
2: this it's a similar one with piece of the action in that it's just really fun from top to bottom and i i just i i, I really enjoy watching episodes that make me laugh especially since um you know they do tackle a lot of really important issues on star trek and i think that's one of the strengths of science, science fiction in general is that you can use fiction to tell a deeper truth about humanity but every once in a while it's nice to just have fun and have it work yeah that's i mean that's kind of what the tribble episode is supposed to be basically
1: yeah, yeah and and let's i mean we can get into that now there t- as i see it there are three key episodes which everyone really really loves in season uh two that that you you haven't really mentioned yet <laughs> and the first of those first and foremost i think probably for the entire series aside from maybe city on the edge of forever is the trouble with Tribbles. so what what did you think about it? i
2: loved it if you'd given me four episodes to choose <laughs> this would have been <laughs> my fourth been one fourth. um i mean it's just so silly but it it's so cute and I mean, I it really can be summed up with that scene where Uhura first gets it and she's just petting it and she's just like, "Hmm," like, that's how that episode makes me feel. And then seeing Spock get like enchanted with them, too, and then be like, oops, I wasn't supposed to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I just it's it's adorable. But at the same time, like Kirk gets some really fun moments in this episode and so does Scotty. I think my favorite scene in this episode is when, um, first of all, it's it's two, but it's like the setup and the aftermath when Scotty and Chekhov are in the diner, or, I don't know, mess hall, something. And... One of the Klingons come o- comes over and it starts insulting Kirk and they're like, nope, nope, we're not gonna, we're gonna be bigger, we're gonna be bigger. And then the second he says a word against the, the Enterprise, Scotty's like across the table, like <laughs> throwing down. And then the scene right after that is just amazing where Kirk is like getting Scotty to admit everything and he's like, so he insulted the Enterprise, so you, you hit him, he's like, no. He's like, you he insulted me, so you hit him. And he's like, no, Captain. <laughs> he's like, oh. <laughs> but when he insults the Enterprise, that's what snaps your temper. And Scotty's just like, mm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just great. I mean, it's everything I love about both of those characters. Scotty's just extreme love for the Enterprise and just his kind of mischievous nature. And I, I love it.
1: Yeah, uh, that's definitely. I mean, I think if I have to look at it completely critically, uh, I'd have to say that show the the trouble with tribbles is my favorite episode or the best episode of the show. Let's
2: put it that. Wow, way. really?
1: Yeah, it's pretty, pretty high up there. Because I mean, I, well, I, I've talked about this before, but I think like in addition to that, there is like sort of like this whole other side to it where it's like basically political satire and everything, and you know that that stuff kind of gets overlooked because it's so much fun but there's a lot going on in that episode which is um sort of beneath the surface and it's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean the whole um that. plot of the Klingons and the spying and the diplomacy and everything is pretty on point. You're right about that. Yeah. I mean but how Yeah, I, I mean, how, how it's it's hard to think about that when Kirk has, you know, a tribble in his chicken sandwich.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's it yeah and but it's it's I don't know I I think that it it does a pretty good job of weaving it all together and that that episode yeah I mean people the, I mean more than even if people don't think it's the best episode that one is the one that people respond to more than anything I mean it had on the blu-ray set they dedicated an entire disc just to that episode he's got a tribble Sorry, I'm pointing his... to the Tribble on my shelf. I can't shelf. reach him. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got Tribbles, I, 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 I around the house. Yeah, my wife is terrified by them for some reason. I don't understand <laughs> why. She thinks they're freaky. I don't get it. Mike, this woman's a Klingon. I think that's what it is. Honestly, um, there's no other explanation. But yeah, that episode's awesome.
2: They, there's also some really good dialogue in that episode. We get a lot of really good one-liners. Um. I, really I don't like... think
0: 12 Klingons constitutes a swarm.
2: <laughs> and, I mean, when McCoy is, like, trying to learn what they are, and he makes all those jokes, like, from what I hear, they're born pregnant, wink, wink. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> this. And then later on, when he's like, what do you do when you overfeed a tribble?" And he's like, a fat tribble. Like, this is just, this is gold. <laughs> this is gold dialogue. I mean, it, it's all really sharply written, and... Uh, I really enjoy
1: it. I love that. It's like one of the most Shatner delivery, one of the the most Shatner deliveries of all time, I think, is when he's like, I'll be in my quarters with a
2: headache.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, what about about the season premiere?
2: Oh, A Muck Muck Time. time. I love A Muck Time. I can't believe I forgot about A Muck Time. I didn't forget about it. It's been a year. (laughs) (laughs) leave me alone i watched it a long time ago no i i really do like a mock time um one of the main reasons why i really like it is because we get a chance to see more of vulcan culture which we do not get to see outside of spock telling us about it basically um so we actually get to see more vulcans and more vulcans is good in my opinion um, and it's, it's kind of like the episodes whenever um, Spock has to interact with his family in any way. Um, I just really enjoy seeing Spock with his kind of um, home culture and how you can see that even though he portrays himself as very Vulcan, he's actually very unique set against the other Vulcans. And then I think it's a really interesting episode from a feminism perspective because you've got two really strong female characters. And it's it's interesting because on the surface, you have two men fighting over a woman, which is one of the most cliche things you could ever have. But at the same time, the only reason they're fighting is because the woman manipulated them to get there. And the only reason she did that is because that was the only avenue open to her for getting what she wanted. So I thought that was really interesting. It's like on the surface, it could be. It could be pretty cliche, but the way they executed it was really, really cool and interesting. And um you have these two incredibly badass Vulcan women just taking charge basically. And I, I really I really enjoyed that episode. And then also, oh my God. I'm clutching my heart. You can't you can't see it. <laughs> but as I said, Spock and Kirk. And their relationship is the heart of everything. And the moment when Spock realizes that Kirk is not dead and that huge smile and Jim. ah, uh, uh, God, even thinking about it, it has me tearing up a little. The feels, man. Mm. There are a lot of feels there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's a really solid episode for sure. And one which a lot of people love, even though I honestly personally don't understand it, I'm I'm guessing Drew probably disagrees with me on this. <laughs> the Doomsday Machine.
2: The Doomsday Machine.
1: Um. Oh, see, you don't even remember no, which episode I it do. Is. That's
2: that's that's the one where the um the captain survives, but not the crew. Is that yes. right? I thought that was a great episode. Okay. Um, kind of
0: a kind of a Moby Dick feel to it.
2: I mean, he was just. Uh, you guys probably know better than I do because I'm not so up on the behind the scenes stuff. But whoever that actor was, was incredible. I mean, the the scene at the very beginning where um, Kirk comes upon him and he's like, where's your crew? And this guy is just shattered. What's his name? Decker? Is that? Yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. Decker. Um he just he really sold it like I mean watching him just be so distraught really made that episode have really high stakes for me I mean you could really feel how messed up he is over this and then also comparing that to Kirk and Kirk is basically looking at his worst nightmare in that scene like this is what happens to a captain who's lost his crew and Kirk's just like he doesn't even really know how to deal with it and there's it seems to me like they have that scene where they're all meeting up and they don't know how to help him. And it's almost painful for them to look at him because he's, you know, Kirk very clearly loves the enterprise and he loves the crew. And those two things are always going to be highest on his list of priorities. And if you took them away, he would not be who he is. His identity would be, His identity is wrapped around the ship and his duties to the ship and his duties to the crew. Taking that away would, I think, shatter him in a very similar way. And so I just, I I really like that episode and I feel really bad for this guy. And everything he does is understandable. It's not logical, as Spock would point out, but it's understandable. He's acting from a, a place of just pure grief and a lot of the things that he does make total sense um for someone who's just lost everything i really like that episode mike thanks for bringing it up
1: sure no problem <laughs> everyone likes it I, I don't i don't get it whatever <laughs> you, <laughs> you also don't, don't, don't like, like devil in the dark so i don't know no no it's fine it's perfectly fine it's an episode that i would never ever consider if people didn't bring it up all the time though
2: but you brought this it up strange
1: yeah because I knew that that's what everyone brought up, you yeah know? That's so what I, was, gonna, I wanted
0: if he wasn't gonna say it, I was gonna say it,
2: <laughs> oh okay, yeah,
1: yeah, now, so
0: I have an episode that that we've not really been able to discuss uh here in season two uh, a private little war. It's like the only episode that doesn't end on a high note, like you said, they all end on a high note, except for a private little war, which is the one where uh the Klingons.
2: Oh, I remember.
0: uh, Are supplying weapons to the- Fake tan
2: lady with the big acrylic nails.
0: The fake tan lady with the big acrylic nails, yes.
2: Yes. Really, if you ever want to get me to remember an episode right off the bat, you just have to remind me what the the costumes were. (laughs) Um,
0: Lots of fur.
2: Yeah, the orange fur (laughs) with the fringe. And then I don't know where she got acrylic nails in the desert, but, I mean, more power to her, really. (laughs)
0: <laughs> apparently from the Klingons. <laughs>
2: Apparently, are you a fan of that episode is that why you're bringing it up
0: no it's just it to me it's an episode that not very many people talk about I, I feel even though it's got a lot of, of uh, meaning I mean like it's obviously about the Vietnam War and it's about you know uh, Kirk having to provide weapons to this culture so that he can balance out this this cold war that's happening between the Klingons. And it's just, it's something that not enough people talk about. I just want to know what you thought about it.
2: Well, I mean, obvious, yeah, you're right that the concept is very clear. And I can't really argue so much with their message. It's just that I don't think it was executed very well. And I also was pretty unhappy with how they portrayed acrylic nail lady. What do we know? What's her name? <laughs>
1: don't even remember. I think remember. that was it, actually.
2: <laughs> her right? name. I'm, I mean, the way I'm she introduced her, introduces herself is I'm Tyree's woman. I remember that really clearly because he's like, I'm Tyree. And she's like, yeah, and I'm Tyree's woman. I'm like, really? You don't even have your own name? Is that they called you when you were born? Tyree's woman. <laughs> um, and she's just kind of she's kind of a culmination of a lot of the, the problems that original series has with women she's hypersexual uh she's manipulative manipulative specifically she manipulates a man and then she's yeah, has this violence perpetrated against her it's like everything that comes it comes back to haunt me all in this one character um so that's my main takeaway with, from it was that i do like that uh, i get to see uh McCoy and tan fur and I do like the Mugatu? Is that what it's called? Yes. That I spit out my wine and laughed for like five minutes when <laughs> whatever the poor actor in that Mugatu suit is like wrestling with Kurt.
1: <laughs> that was great. You know, you they actually made Mugatu uh beanie babies at one point. I
2: would you buy it in a heartbeat. Conventions. Yeah. I mean it's just yeah.
0: And, and I'm pretty sure that's what they named the character in Zoolander after. I'm almost 100% oh, really? positive. <laughs>
1: it would have to be because he's such a big fan. I mean, the name of his production company is Red Hour Productions and everything. Is it? So I yeah. didn't even
0: realize that. Yeah. Star Trek lives. <laughs> Joy to him.
1: <laughs> yes, Ben Stiller is a huge Star Trek fan. Did you see when, when Nimoy died, he like started to, well he tweeted like a bunch of stuff about Nimoy but he even because the big rumor was always that he's got like a vault in his basement which is just filled with Star Trek collectibles mm-hmm. and he actually tweeted a picture of what presumably seeing as how they were like encased in like you know floating glass whatever <laughs> presumably they were Spock's ears from the show you know he tweeted a picture of those Wow. And in the background, you could see a little Gorn action figure. So. Wow, that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, he's a huge It just fan. goes
2: to show yeah. that how influential Star Trek was. I mean, I think we've talked before about how influential it was in the science and tech community, but it also is a really important milestone for storytelling on television. And I'd have to think that a lot of creators of, of both television and movies probably cite Star Trek as an influence. It'd be hard not to. It it really changed the oh, landscape.
1: Yeah, yeah you just, just go on Twitter and, and look at all of the, the writers and everything that are on there, and they're always talking about Star Trek. It's crazy. But, yeah. Well, any other um, episodes that you feel the need to touch on or any final thoughts on, on season two on the whole?
2: Oh, my goodness. Uh, the Nazi episode. There was a Nazi
0: episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that was another yeah. question I wanted to bring up. <laughs> I, I faint... The last half of the second season, every other episode seems to be, we've found a planet that's exactly like Earth, but completely different, like, repeatedly. And I just, I want to hear your thoughts on on the, ah, planet of Nazis. Ah, a planet where Rome never fell. Ah, a planet where... Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I understand but... it.
2: It's, it's a helpful way because you have a point of reference. The audience has a point of reference, so they can be like... Well, we know how this plays out. And you on have Earth. all the
0: props. What? And you have all the props sitting around. Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, it's. Well, oh,
0: gladiators, we can do that.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's an entry point for your audience. They already have an understanding of Nazi civilization. And then you get to. It's the only way, really, to have Kirk and Spock be tackle the idea of nazism without having to to make a whole new civilization with an allegory and they do that fair amount of times too you know you were just talking a private little war is clearly an allegory for the vietnam war um so i don't have a problem with it drew i think you were actually around when i first tried to tried to tweet patterns of force do you remember that yes <laughs> okay. when,
0: when you started and you were like i can't handle this and you just
2: stopped <laughs> well side note we should point out that I had been drinking quite a lot of red wine and (laughs) I just kind of was like, you know what? I haven't, I haven't watched star Trek in a long time as drew constantly reminds me (laughs) and I should, I should watch some star Trek. So I start watching it. And I mean, I'm like blown away by it because I'm not completely sober and I'm like, what is happening? And I just like my brain overloaded and shut down. And I basically just <laughs> fell apart. And then I come back to it a couple of days later and I'm like, that can't be real. That was a mirage of the red wine. Um, and I sit down to to actually live tweet it because I honestly don't remember a whole lot from that first epic live tweeting of me just being like, Nazis, what's happening? Um, so I went back and did it again and um, was like, oh, it really is. It's a Nazi episode.
0: Yeah, you were like, did I had some kind of fever dream? Was this Patterns of Force about Nazis? That we're like, maybe, maybe
2: maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I guess you'll find out. My favorite part of that episode is actually a really strange one. <clears throat> Probably, I'd guess. Uh, well, for one, Spock has epic ear, ear hiding hats in, in that one. Um, I mean, one of them is <laughs> an SS uniform hat. <laughs> But there's this this part where before the Nazis, right? Because I'm still like that can't have been real. So this guy bloody jumps out of nowhere and he goes hide, and Kirk and Spock without a blinking hide, and I love that <laughs> because that's what you should do if some stranger jumps out of nowhere and he's all bloody and it's just like run away. You should run away. <laughs>
0: You probably should. <laughs> it, that doesn't happen often enough on television. Usually it's just like, wait, what? Why don't we stand here in the middle of the street She's for a few more minutes?
2: tell me, you know, man, what's I mean, wrong? I mean, Take a deep breath and tell <laughs> me. But no, they're like, drop everything and they hide okay. behind a pillar. And I love that so much.
1: <laughs> it's true. If, some, if I was just walking down the street and someone bloody came up to me and said, hide, I'd be like,
2: What, what are you <laughs> talking about? Know, are you yeah. crazy? Is that happening? But they just immediately react. <laughs>
1: That's Starfleet training right there.
2: <laughs> then this is my most retweeted tweet. Fun fact. There is the part where they get caught, and the guy tells Spock to tell take off his ear hiding hat. And he does. And he has the most brilliant look on his face. And I tweeted it as like, he has epic deal with it, bro, face. <laughs> <laughs> that is my most retweeted tweet from all of my live tweeting. Is this picture of Spock just being like, "Deal with it." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And,
1: and and any other final thoughts on on season two?
2: Um, I don't know. Is there?
1: And any 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 anything that stands out? Is it being making it different from season one or anything like that or. <clears throat>
2: Well, Just more of the same. You asked me last time. You asked me what I was looking forward to, and I said Chekhov. I got Chekhov. Yeah. I got me some oh, yeah. some oh, yeah. awesome Russian. I really dig Chekhov as a character. Uh, I wish he had more to do. Like I, I, I feel this is a, a problem for a lot of our minor characters. Is and I've heard this is because of William Shatner, but I'm not sure if that's true. Yeah. That mostly. Anytime one of the minor characters had something cool to do, he wanted to take it for himself. Uh, I've heard that. I don't know how much of that is true, but they do suffer from having, like, Sulu's there, and Chekhov's there, and Uhura's there, and they generally are just saying, like, hailing frequencies open, Captain, or course laid in, Captain, we're in standard orbit, you know, whatever. Um, I really enjoy it when they get more to do, and uh, Chekhov just, is just a sunny character. He's just, he's so adorable, and and every time he brings up some obscure Russian fact, I, I, I dig that. And it was really fun to see a new c- cast member join and kind of, he didn't really make a huge difference to the dynamic, but there there are a handful of episodes where I just, I think he adds a lot. And so I will say that uh, going back to your question a year ago, or whatever, of what I was looking <laughs> for, um, for two, it, um, Chekhov delivered, I would say
1: that's fantastic cool cool so well i won't ask you if there's anything you're looking forward to in season three because i know that um spoilers you're like almost done with it and but... will be done by the time this episode comes out yeah
2: oh maybe but i hear that dragon age is <laughs> releasing a dlc so
0: oh yeah Uh-oh. if you have an xbox Uh-oh. one it's already out yeah
2: uh i don't so thanks for rubbing oh. it in
1: oh burn <laughs> Oh, the PS three is better.
2: I will have much to say about season three, as I'm sure you know. Um and I Drew just giving me so much crap on Twitter for going like <laughs> a year without I tried not
0: to. No, no, no. I I was just like, She's got her own thing. I'm not gonna pressure her into watching science fiction for my entertainment.
2: Well then you're the only <laughs> one. I got I got tweets for days that were like why aren't you watching as much Star Trek anymore? You should watch Star Trek. Watch Star Trek That's today. None of their business. And I'm like what?
0: That's rude. Man,
2: I gotta work. <laughs> if you wanna start paying me for Star Trek, <laughs> I will quit my job and I will watch Star Trek full time for you people.
0: That um, sounds like a I, job I would I, I was thinking I was trying to think about how we could do like a Kickstarter or a Patreon. I for, have so you could absolutely
2: thought of that because my <laughs> life would be amazing if this is all I did but yeah and i'm i just really started going on season three hard and suddenly Drew's like oh no she's almost done we better Holy... get her in for season two before she's irreparably tainted uh to talk about season two but yeah i'm you know i've probably watched 10 episodes in the last three days yeah well i'll be back soon it That's will not good. be a year from now
1: no it won't <laughs> excellent excellent <laughs> Well well thank you very much for joining us. We we really appreciate it and um yeah, we should have you back to do a commentary at some point. That would be cool. Hmm,
2: that's a good Shh. idea.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So where can people find you uh, on the? Well, internet? I finally
2: have a different answer to this than my normal answer, which is: first off, you can still follow my live tweeting at first time trek on Twitter. Um, but I'm also now a quarter of the new podcast, Women at Warp, um, where we have four women. Basically, women at what? Women at Warp.
0: There we go. Sound like you said work.
2: Work. 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 I almost started saying Iggy <laughs> Azalea for you. Um, no, Women at Warp. Uh, which is basically for women talking about Star Trek. And it's awesome. And uh, we have a website, women at com.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I, it's good yeah. stuff. You
2: got to hear the first episode before it was released. It's very important.
1: Yeah, I got a week oh, early man. preview. You're all special
2: yep. and
0: stuff. Yeah. What can I say?
1: <laughs> well, well, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. yeah, we we'll, look we'll forward have you to back season three. Soon.
2: Thanks, yeah. I always enjoy coming on.
0: Well, it was fun talking to Andy about season two today, but believe it or not, that's not the only thing that we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit not an overstatement and he had said in your introduction that without without him and his hand guiding all of this
2: then then it's unlikely that two would have been what it was and if it had not been successful then it, it you know it probably would have meant the end of star trek at that point earl gray
1: like i'm expecting ricardo Martablan to like walk around the corner and be like captain picard welcome this is rice
0: of five
1: the shuttlecraft the shuttlecraft the orb Curzon is involved with the Kittimer yep. courts. Spock is at Kittimer when those are being talked about, so you would think they would have run into each other They at probably least. hung out in the bar together.
0: To the journey! <clears throat> One guy's like, why don't we just write better stories for Wesley? And then the lead writer's like, you out! Now! <laughs> <laughs> the ready room. The movie series would not have relaunched and, and become what it was, if not for the amazing bounce of The Wrath of Khan was to Star Trek the same thing that uh, The Best of Both Worlds was to Next Generation. Commentary, Trek stars.
1: It's also the end of a character and a thing that is really about how uh, death is just a part of life. And that while there's an end, it doesn't mean that it's the end.
0: Literary, Treks.
1: I've always liked the... uh, I like that episode for... I mean, it's one of the most derided of the of the original series episodes, but yet I always, it has a place in my heart for some reason. I've always enjoyed watching mm-hmm. it over. So um, I wanted to do something with those guys, the Scalbians. The 602
0: Club. Like, I, I could kind of dismiss Droids in Distress and Fight or Flight and everything like that. And I was just kind of watching the background, but all of a sudden I started catching myself, like, stopping working and, and just focusing on watching. And, uh, and so it just got better and better and better. And I think I was hooked by episode four, Breaking Rings. That's when I was like, okay, I like this show. This is good. Warp five. In the history of Axanar, Alec Peters and Christian Gossett wrote a section of the history dealing with the Arcanus campaign. And in the Arcanus campaign, a majority of Starfleet ships were destroyed. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. Let's tell everyone where they can contact us if they'd like to share their thoughts on today's show. Just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose send to show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab on the left-hand column of any page that sends the voicemail using webcam's microphone, and you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekfm, and on Twitter under username trekfm. You can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V, and you can find Mike on Twitter at mumbles3k, and you can find him on Commentary Track Stars and right here on Trek FM under Commentary Track Stars. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of those famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial, just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. We'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. for being our associate producer. You can find him on Twitter at RUT8972, and we really appreciate him supporting us on Patreon. And if you want to support us, along with Richard, you can go to patreon.com slash trackfm. That's patreo dot com slash trackfm. You'll find a list of donation levels there, where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as an associate producer on our shows. You'll find out where uh, the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Next week, we'll have Preston Neil Jones on to talk about his book on Star Trek The Motion Picture, Return to Tomorrow. And then the week after, we'll have Andy back for a special episode. So, everybody, stay tuned for that. For now, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew.
1: Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. I sir.